Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. We continue our mailbag series with a fun one, Alex. We rank the Knicks' best young talents. Yeah, got a fun question off our YouTube comments. So if you're watching on YouTube and want to ask us a question, feel free to do so. But in this episode, we'll be talking about five of the Knicks' young players and how they all rank out for how we would want them in five years, or rather how good they're going to be in five years. Next, Unlocked on Knicks in five seconds. No, I'm just kidding. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's out. And he's out. Anthony for three. Five seconds later on the dot, you are locked on Knicks. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we're now available on all platforms that includes on YouTube. So go check us out there. Um, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shell, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. And uh, this one, uh, this only question for this episode comes to us from the YouTube, uh, the greatest site for wasting your entire day. Unless you're watching Locked on Knicks, then it's not a waste. The question is from Jim Pugh. Um, in five years, who will be the better player? Obi, RJ, Grimes, or Quickly? And Alex, because, uh, because we're ambitious... Um, we decided to take this a step further and rank all of them and to, to keep with the five theme, add in another player. And that is Mitchell Robinson, because I think he belongs in that conversation as well. Um, but I, I don't know about you. This is we, we, we did this over the summer. We do it like every few months or so. This is always incredibly difficult for me. And, and I think when we did it over the summer, I was like 35 games in the next season. We'll have a much clearer view on the potential, the, the, the ceiling, the floor of each and every one of these guys. But Alex. This was incredibly difficult for me, and at least for one through four, maybe one through five, you could have talked me into essentially any order, and I think I think I could I I'd buy it at, at the very least as reasonable. Yeah, it's really tough because particularly with like Obi and Mitch, I think there's like Mitch plays such a different role and position than the other guys that it's it's sort of tough to contextualize like how much does he how much would he mean to a a like championship level team, let's say, versus say, you know, an actualized RJ Barrett or uh Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel Quickly or even Obi Toppin. And then with Obi, it's like, how do we know? You know, there's just I it unfortunately run into the same thing that we talked about in one of our Donovan Mitchell trade episodes over the summer, like right after the saga was over, where we were like, this was sort of one of the first failures of this regime in not forcing Tibbs to play some of these guys more because you still don't know who these guys are after two years. And now with Obi, it's like three and a half years or sorry, two and a half years uh, halfway through his third year. And we're not, I still don't feel like we have too much better of a picture of what his whole career is going to look like. And you know that you can chalk that up to Randall's 
renaissance this year, but also, you know, there's been a, a severe reluctance by Tibbs to play Obi and Randall together, which I think would be a great combo. So it's it's kind of tough to evaluate Obi in that way. Uh, do you think it would be most beneficial if we just make our lists first, like just lead lead hot, give our lists, and then just kind of work from the bottom all the way to the top? Oh, interesting. I was I was thinking we could do a countdown five through one, but I'm 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 good with that. Just yeah. What so what 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 is your top five? Then? I think I still have R.J. Barrett number one. The second spot has become increasingly harder because I think if you had asked me prior to the season, I would have said quickly, hmm. but now I'm kind of leaning Grimes. If I'm being honest, just because. If I think about it in terms of like, who do I think is going to make the most money in their NBA career? Who will, you know, have a role pretty much no matter what on any team in the NBA for a very long time? I think it's Quinn Grimes. Uh, and then I think quickly is my third. And unfortunately, due to that context that I just mentioned, I think Mitch is my fourth and Obi is my fifth right now. Very, very similar for me. Um, I had quickly first over the summer, and it's weird because I think in some ways he's dramatically improved his stock. But the fact that the element of his game that I thought was most special is three-point shooting has, has taken a, a little bit of a nosedive and is looking increasingly like his rookie year might have been a bit of an outlier in terms of how good of a shooter he is. Um, he is all the way down to fourth for me. So when I first started this exercise, um, which was about uh, full transparency two hours ago, I had uh, Quentin Grimes at, at first for like the first hour and a half of that. And then I, I chickened out and I put RJ Barrett first, Grimes is second, Mitchell Robinson is third for me, Emmanuel Quickly is in fourth. You could on, on the right day, right, right game. If I just if I just saw him go off for 30 points, you could talk me into him being first. Then Obi Toppin, who Alex, I don't know about you. I think if you'd asked me after the first like eight games of the season or so, I might have had him first. Um, he is he is all the way down at fifth, and that is just that is sort of the nature of the business. But let's let's start from the top. Uh, R.J. Barrett, um, what do you what what have you seen from him this year? Um, despite the the early struggles and that they were really significant, that you still have him at number one. Uh, I just think it's the type of player that he is, right and and the role that he plays, you know, I still think that we even just saw this the other day, right? Like he came in and, and to be fair, we saw quickly do this when there were all the injuries, when there was, when RJ and, and Brunson were both hurt. Uh, but we saw him come in and just soak up usage. And even if he was not his most efficient self in his first game back, the fact that he can come in and he can, he can score 27. He can generate six free throws. He can do some initiation. He can run things with the second unit uh, and do it all at his size and, and, you know, just general profile of player that I think is if you had a more inventive coach than Tibbs, you could potentially play him from like two to four on the court. Uh, I just think that that paints a potentially really interesting player. Uh, over the course of the next five years. And I also still give him somewhat of an edge because he's still so young. Uh, you know, he's still, I think, I think he has arguably developed himself the most into like the actualized version of himself and has proved to be, even with his inconsistency at the beginning of the season, I think 
speaking generally over how he does over the course of each season, like if you kind of knock off that first month where he always is just terrible for some reason and look at the rest, I think that he has developed a reputation for consistency more so than the other guys. Whereas we will see multi-game stretches from like Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel quickly where they just really don't shoot the ball super well. And granted they still do other things plenty well. And maybe that's sort of one differentiator where RJ sometimes lets it leak into the defensive end, which could be a problem, but I think there's just something really valuable about the way that he can soak up usage. And he's starting now, I think, to learn ways to make up for bad shooting nights by getting to the line more, by distributing more, uh, and also by not turning the defense down at all. So I I think that's why I still have RJ number one at this moment. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was I was looking this up before uh before we started out of um Players in the NBA who have played at least 20 games and, or excuse me, 25 games and have played at least 20 minutes in those games. Um, Grimes, Mitch, and IQ are all top 32 in the NBA in that rating out of the, out of the whole entire league. Um, so on, on paper, you would say, all right, those are the three most impactful guys. And where it gets tricky is, is RJ fills a more valuable archetype, right, of, of a primary creator. Uh, versus quickly, who is like kind of a combo guard, kind of a six man, kind of a fill in the blanks guy. Grimes is like is, is sort of the most stereotypical three and D player, um, plus plus like a little drive and, and dish ability that you will find in the NBA. Uh, Mitch is like quintessential rim running, rim protecting center. Um, but all those guys do their archetypes like about as well as anyone in the NBA, right? Like quickly, um, if he hadn't been starting so many games and had been getting consistent minutes off the bench, like there would be an argument for him as sixth man of the year. I, I, I don't know if he'd be the favorite, but he would certainly be in the conversation, especially with what he brings to the table defensively. Uh, Grimes, I, I've said, like, I think is as good of like a three and D prospect as there is in the NBA. Mitch, uh, arguably the best rebounder in the sport. And like, and, and we can talk about in a little bit, arguably a deep point candidate. So how do you justify still having RJ Barrett ahead of those guys and it's because the type of player he is is still just so much more valuable and, and so much harder to find. And even if I'm of the opinion that he's, he's on a trajectory right now to develop, maybe not into like the worst version of that, but like more of a lower tier primary than like an upper tier primary. Um, and, and we can talk about what the implications of that would be for him as like a secondary guy. If he's like the second or third best player on a good team. Um, I still think that's more valuable. And I want to continue on that train of thought. But Alex, you know, people people love podcasts, but they need jobs. Where, where, where's the best place to go if they want a job or, or better yet, if they're in a hiring position, if they want to give someone a job? Yeah, that's where LinkedIn comes in and LinkedIn jobs, of course. And if you're a small business owner or a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. I haven't done a ton of hiring myself. However, I will say that as a job seeker, LinkedIn Jobs consistently puts the best jobs in front of me. And the ones that I'm most interested to click on and sometimes ones that I wouldn't have even necessarily thought to click on. So it's it, their algorithm works. It, it is easily, I think, the best one there and does not put a bunch of 
like entry level sales positions in front of you all the time, like every other job search site does. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resumes, they go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, your company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. And LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Gavin, uh, we're back. And I want to lead this segment. So I just did... While we were talking in that last segment, I did a, a little smidge of research uh, and looked something up because I remembered this tool that is available on 538 and it's a player projection tool. And funny enough, as it pertains to this exercise, it gives a five-year market value projection mm. uh, for various players. And it's based off of some of their metrics. They use the uh, the Raptor yeah. metric uh and it also uses uh wins above replacement which they they calculate in part using their raptor metric uh i'm curious if you were to fathom a guess how do you think it shakes down based off of the wins above replacement and and subsequently how much uh you don't have to guess dollar amounts but like how do yeah. you think they these guys would rank out based off of the analytics like community aspect oh, of it all right, wins above replacement. I'm gonna say Mitch, then Grimes. Well, well, okay. Well, Grimes didn't really play to start the year, so I guess I have to take that into account um, because it's it's total throughout the year. It's not like per game, unless it's win shares per. They do do yeah. projections going forward. So, oh, like, got it. Okay, all right. Ultimately, say, ultimately it gives you a, like a five year or actually longer. It gives you like a eight year projection from right now uh, sure. of what they think the guys are gonna produce from now through then. But then it also gives you a five year dollar amount total of what they believe the player is worth on the open got market. it all right so i'll say i'll say for win shares projection i'll say mitch then rj then grimes then iq then ob um and then for dollar amount i'll say rj then mitch no then grimes then mitch then iq then ob all right, I'm going to read them off you might be surprised to hear these these results this again comes yeah. from 538 with their player projection tool, Emmanuel quickly leads the way. Wow! Pro projected at about six wins above replacement uh, over the next number of seasons, his five-year market value, according to Five Thirty Eight, uh, is one hundred forty million dollars. Whoa! And uh, also his like category that they put him in is is future All Star. Hmm. Uh, second place is R.J. Barrett. Or no, I'm sorry. Second place is Mitchell Robinson. Uh, projected about five, four and a half to five uh, wins above replacement. And he is projected or given a market value of 98.2 million over the next five years. RJ is third at about three and a half war uh, per season and has a $79 million market value. Quentin Grimes is actually fourth, although I would have thought he would have been higher too. Uh, but he is at about two and a half war projected and a $59 million uh, projected market value, which is quite low. That's only $12 million a season for him. 
And then Obi Toppin is projected at about one win above replacement and a 26 and a half million market valuation over the next five years. So I'm sure that Leon Rose's son, who represents Obi Toppin, is not hoping that that is the case. And they hope to probably get much more money than that. But I found that to be kind of interesting. I, I just, I also, I, I remembered that tool as we were like starting recording and it was like, oh, I'll go look it up real quick. And then literally remember, remembered that the tool is like, oh, here's their five-year valuation. I just thought it was too perfect to not share that. No, that's, it's totally fair. Um, And I guess where I would, the only reason I would push back on that with, with RJ is just, I mean, you just got to look at the trajectory, right? Like youngest player mm-hmm. on this list, Um, to your point, like the, the efficiency in December took a rapid uptick all up to 46% from the field, 42 and a half percent from three. Um, I can, you can go over the game logs, like just what he what he started doing as of like, I mean, it was the Kings game. It was de- December 9th. He went nine for 18, 26 points, nine for 21, 27 points, eight for 17, 22 points, nine for 20, 27, 10 for 19, 24, eight for 19, 18, 11 for 19, 30, 14 for 20, 44, and then had the one bad game against the Sixers, at least from a shooting perspective, and then got hurt against Dallas. But that was that was a stretch of, of all-star level basketball from RJ Barrett. And I, I you you look across the board and none of these other guys have produced like that offensively. Of course, it's it's a two-way game, and and you could make a case that quickly Grimes and Robinson all merit all defense consideration this year. And Grimes is obviously just such a sure thing, which is why I wanted to put him at number one, where I'm like, all right, like he, he translates anywhere, he doesn't take anything off the table. And like, even if he doesn't get an ounce better than he is right now, he's in the league for 12, 13, 14 years. Um, And RJ, like, I honestly, like, sometimes I think he's maxed out. Sometimes I think he could still be like an all NBA guy down the road. It is so hard to tell. But for me, like, I I just, I don't really see a world where the other guys have the ceiling that RJ does. And that, that just by an inch keeps him in first place for me. Yeah, that's, I, I have the same rationale. Also, to go back to this 538 thing, I just looked at RJ's. They give you the 10 most comparable players mm. to the to the player, too, based off where their war was, their first few seasons or whatever, and what their projection was. Tell me this isn't one of the most eclectic lists you've ever heard of, featuring a ton of ex-Knicks, by the way. Uh, Michael Beasley, number one. Then Ooh. Bernard King. Then Brandon Ingram. Then Andrew Wiggins. Jabari Parker. Jason Richardson. Carmelo Anthony, Bradley Beal, Thaddeus Young, and Marvin Williams. Just all over the place, which kind of is how I feel about how things could go for RJ. I could, I, If he does not start improving his efficiency and stuff sometime soon, I could see him going the way of early to mid-career, you know, uh, Michael Beasley, Andrew Wiggins, um, you know, guys of that ilk that, could score the ball but couldn't do it efficiently. They just they efficiently. They just never had that thing click with them where they they became like a true efficient scorer in the NBA that became like, you know, a multi-time all-star or whatever. But I could also see a trajectory where he ends up like Brandon Ingram who sort of struggled a little bit at first and then really found his footing in about his fourth or fifth year and started producing, you know, the way that a, a top 3 pick should. Uh I could see him, you know, kind of having a trajectory almost like Wiggins where he eventually settles into a certain role and then becomes sort of a star in his role uh, and maybe an all-star out of it or something. Uh, and, you know, I could also see a world where he's like Bradley Beal, who was like super young when he came in the league and took a little while to get that efficiency figured out and then eventually turned into like 
an efficient 25 point per game scorer. So he's he's one of the biggest mystery boxes, but also I still think has the highest ceiling. Um, we could probably squeeze all the rest of the guys in the next segment. Uh, but Gavin, if you wanted to bet on some stuff, maybe some futures, maybe something about RJ Barrett. Uh, I don't know if you can go multiple seasons in the future. It would be cool if you could bet on their five-year earnings. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to bet on some slightly more reasonable things, where might someone go? Um, yeah, reasonable is the name of the game at betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. What I like to go for are like the NBA daily. So tomorrow night, uh, the Orlando Magic, five and a half point underdogs. Against the Utah Jazz. Um, I made everyone money. If you listen to me telling you to bet the Jazz over the Clippers, let's stick with it. I think the Jazz blow out the Orlando Magic, just a much more cohesive team. I think that is a 10-plus point game. So lay some money down on the Jazz and head to the website today or use your mobile device to do that or learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right, Alex, let's uh, let's run through the rest. Um, For me, uh, like I'm, I'm sure it was for you, Two through four was uh, very, very challenging because I think Mitchell Robinson, there's there's a case for Emmanuel quickly, but I think probably Mitchell Robinson is the best player of the group right now. He is, uh, I think, 12th um, based on the criteria I put in, in the NBA in net rating at the moment, which is absurdly good. Um, there is a strong case to be made that he is the best rebounder in the league. Um, it might have been the athletic zone, Fred Katz, but he actually did get a vote or two for that um, in the NBA survey, midseason survey of the best rebounders in the NBA. Um, and is an absolutely dynamic defender. And, and him and Grimes are quite the duo on that end of the floor. Quickly is easily the best creator out of this group. Um, unlike Grimes, has the capability to be a primary ball handler. And my fear in having Grimes first or out of this group anyways, Alex, is that um, I don't know if like quickly he could ever be a primary or like Mitch, he's ever going to be the best in the NBA at what he does. Um, but the reason I had him here is Desmond Bain. And I, I kind of I went to Desmond Bain's uh, basketball reference page and I said, all right, what would Quinn Grimes have to do to be Desmond Bain? Right now this season, Desmond Bain is averaging 21 points per game is a little higher before he got hurt. Five rebounds, four assists, right? He's shooting um, 43.5% from the field, 41% from three on on uh, 7.5 attempts per game. And he's shooting 89% from the line. And he's he's taking um, – he's, he's four for nine every night from two. He's three for 7.5 from three. That is, like, pretty similar just on higher volume to what Quentin Grimes is doing this year. Like, if you look at uh, Grimes' numbers, he is um, on two-point shots – um i'll do it per 36 just to make it a little more even he's uh 4.6 for 9.9 2.4 for 6.4 so that's easier 46 percent, quite a bit better than bane at two point range 37 and a half percent from three not quite the shooter that bane is but over the last month he's been closer to 41 percent from distance after a slump when he started the year and came back early and he's an 80 percent free throw shooter so i and any he, and he's two years younger than bane is so i i think that's the trajectory for him and that is just such a scalable player such a useful player and and an iota higher than that and he's an all-star so i i just think it is it is less complicated to fit him in than it is to fit quickly in with another team um and mitchell robinson i think is essentially who he's going to be yeah i think i'm i'm totally with you i think there really is a case that mitch could be as of right this second the best of that that grouping of players 
I also think there's the best chance that Mitch has the least room to improve, which is where this like comes into that whole five year thing. Cause we were asked, you know, which player will be the best in five years. Hmm. And maybe that was why Mitch was even left off to begin with, because it sort of feels like Mitch is starting to actualize the player that he's going to be. And that's fine if he is, because he's a really great player right now and he's playing the best basketball of his career. He is I think for my money, the best rebounder in the NBA, because of if you watch the amount of rebounds that he's creating for guys like Randall by just being the most nasty box outer in the NBA is is unheard of. Um, and then, you know, obviously his his rim protection abilities, his ability to shut down some of the best centers in the game when he's on at his best, like a Joel Embiid. I, I think that he's probably the best of those three right this second. That said, you know. I'm with Grimes at number two as well. And and the reason is it's partly size profile. And it's partly like you said, like, I guess the other thing too, Grimes is on his way as far as efficiency goes quickly. I still worry. And I mean, I know that people love to be like, well, look at how good he is. Otherwise though, he impacts the game. And like, if he ever figures out the efficiency, then he'll be amazing. And it's like, yeah, but he, he still hasn't quite figured it out yet, you know? And it's, he's still so, up and down and up and down with like the shooting percentage of like one game, he'll give you seven of eight from three and the next game will give you one of 12, you know, and it's, there's just no rhyme or reason to it sometimes. And I think that's the thing that gives me the most pause with him still. Uh, and, you know, makes me think like, I don't know that I would put him ahead of Grimes at the moment. Cause as you said, it's a pretty thin line between what Grimes is doing now. And if he can keep uh, that up, on higher usage and keep perfecting the things that he's good at right now. I mean, he might be a 25 million a year player, you know, uh, by the time that he reaches the end of his, the end of his rookie deal, considering he's only on his second year right now, if he just continues like just builds on what he has right now, which is, you know, fantastic defender, like game busting defender. If we're being honest, like he's that good at times. And then on top of that, he is also a, very good three-point shooter that's starting to inch closer towards being like an elite shooter with the the shot diet and everything, but then also is now showing this ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the rack and make quick decisions and to pass. And when you consider all those things together, yeah, he might not ever be like a Luca type, which I think is also another thing that moves, you know, RJ up and not saying he's going to be Luca, but a guy that can initiate for himself and others like Grimes might never be that guy. On the NBA team, you know, even though we saw that in summer league, but even if he just perfects all those things, he's really good at. That's like, that's a a hundred fifty million dollar contract type player. You know, if if you could do all that stuff elite, play great defense and score efficiently, and you know, use your your ability to bend the defense by scoring to set up open teammates for shots, like that's that's a really great player. So I think that's why I have him there. And it's mostly just the efficiency concerns with quickly, but the raise the the margins are pretty razor thin between those two, between Grimes and quickly for me, and then Mitch a little step below that because I again I I wonder if he's peaked already, uh, or come he's the closest to what his peak will be based off of just what his game is, and then unfortunately that leaves Obi for both of us at the bottom of the list right now. Yeah, um, and 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 last thing on Grimes, I think the passing is a is a key point because quickly is is just ahead of him 
right now in that capacity as a, as a creator. But the flashes you see from Grimes, like it, it just makes you wonder if he gets more time on the ball. And and like one great stat, a courtesy again of the Athletics, Fred Katz uh, pointed out in his article this week, as of uh, four days ago, uh, Grimes was first in the entire NBA in in blow by rate um, out of 174 players who have as many drives to the paint as he does this season. Uh, so that that is encouraging to me for how his athleticism and his explosiveness could translate as he continues to get more and more on ball reps um, over the course of his career. Like I, I think there's some untapped potential for him as a driver and an attacker and a finisher. And like, and, and look quickly, I mean, look, he's been, he's been really good as a starter this year. Like what are like, what are the, it's like 20 points, five assists, four rebounds, like couple steals a night when he starts and, and his two point percentage, like if we're going to talk efficiency with him, we have to say his two point percentage went from 40 to 45 to 50. That is on a linear positive trajectory. And if his threes had just stayed the same, as they were his rookie year, he would be one for me. I don't think it would be that close. And and by the end of the season, he might be a 37% three-point shooter. That's just how thin the margins are here. But yeah, Obi, Obi top and last. I don't know if it's due to any fault of his own, Alex. I, I think the Knicks have um, just butchered his development, honestly, by turning him into a standstill three-point shooter. And, and he is bearing the wrath of of kind of what Tom Thibodeau does to all big seemingly where they just have to slot unless they're, unless they're Julius Randall and they're so obviously like a primary kind of ball handler. Like he just wants to slot them into certain roles. Like we, we see it with Isaiah Hardenstein, but that's kind of what's happened to Obi throughout all of his career. And like anything Obi's gotten, it's sort of been on his own merit. It hasn't been because the uh, coach has made his life any easier. And we heard rumors of like the Pacers potentially being interested. I think if he ends up there with, I, I know, I know we love to hate the guy, but with Tyrese Halliburton, like, there's a world where like second half of this season, as soon as that Obi Toppin is like an efficient 20 point score in the NBA. And we're like, Oh, maybe, maybe he's like the best guy out of this group. But the Knicks have, I think just bungled his future in the way they haven't with these other guys. And you combine that with him being the, I, I believe the oldest guy. Yeah. He is. He's a month older than Mitchell Robinson, the oldest guy on this list. Um, I think he has to be last for me. Yeah. And I don't think there's any, like unlike Mitch, where I think you know his age plays in because I just think, but also just the way that he's developed throughout his career, I think has led to me thinking like he might have peaked. Obi, I don't necessarily know if he's that close to it, despite being the oldest. Like he's been on a weird development trajectory his whole life. You know, he's he like played junior college for a couple of years and then had like a huge growth spurt and finally got into D one. Then is winning the you know, national player of the year when he's like 23 years old, which is older than most guys, but it showed a significant amount of development because he, you know, had that late growth spurt. So, you know, I, I still look at him almost like he's like a 23 year old player rather than like 25 or whatever he is right now. That said, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like as of right now, it's just, it's impossible to say. And I'm just more inclined to think that based off the roles that they play, that the other guys, well, okay. So based off the roles that the first three guys play, that's why they're ahead of OB. And then based off the fact that Mitch is already, I think, so close to being an actualized version of the best version of himself, OB is far away on all those fronts. And to your point, it's not necessarily anything that's his fault. It's kind of just the team that drafted him. Uh, and the fact that, I mean, in 2020 to 21, Randall turned things around when it was pretty obvious that Obi was drafted to replace him and the Knicks were probably going to get rid of him that year until he started playing as well as he did. And then they said, well, guess we can't do that. And, you know, then uh, obviously the rest is history. We're now we're in the 
the fourth year of Julius Randle with more to come. And it seems like he's entrenched because he's playing really well right now. And Julius certainly doesn't deserve to play less minutes at, you know, just to get Obi more minutes at this point in the season. But I think under a different coach, you would see them played more together, which could potentially increase Obi's value, especially in the modern NBA where so many teams use looks like that. But Tom Thibodeau is the coach and he doesn't seem particularly enthused with the idea of using that lineup unless it's literally the only thing he can do uh, or if his job's on the line and he feels like he needs to do it for that reason. So is what it is. It's no knock on Obi, but yeah, I, I've got him at fifth on the list in this, uh, this top five for the next five years. Yeah. I, I will say uh, defense is, is most concerning for Obi Toppin out of anyone on this list. Yeah. So on, on, on that, on that pleasant note, uh, no Obi hate love Obi here. Uh, we'll wrap up uh, this one, but uh, let us know in the comments. I'll, I'll, we'll make it the pin comment on this one. Uh, who do you think the top five are? How would you rank these guys? Um, and then we will be back with a game recap for you on Monday. So until then, uh, be good. We'll talk to you soon. I'm locked on next. <laughs>